Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. We're kicking off a new year. Welcome in 2024. 2024. January. No longer our Jordan year. <laughs> <laughs> We're just one year older. That's right. Hope everyone had a good holiday season and a happy new year. And we are talking about our January Clinical Corner article. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. What are we talking about? So today is a meta-analysis. So they look back and do a systemic review of a bunch of different articles okay. and analyze the findings in those articles. And what they were trying to look for were the accuracy of clinical tests for assessing greater trochanteric pain syndrome. What? Yeah. Greater? So, greater trochanter is a bone on the outside of your hip, and uh, there's a condition where that area becomes painful. It's also termed gluteal tendinopathy or trochanteric bursitis. These are kind of interchangeable terms. So inflammation of the bursa there or inflammation, degeneration of the tendon. Um, it's a pretty common diagnosis. It's actually 10 to 25% of the population is wow. affected. Okay. Um, so a lot of people have pain. It's not quite pain in the butt, but it's pain <laughs> Close on the side of the butt. Yeah. We could call it that. So pain on the side of your hip. Um, it's a little more uh, prevalent in uh, older individuals or females. Okay. Um, low back pain can associate this. Um, it can, like, elevate your risk for it. Uh, there's kind of a thought that compensation from back pain uh, or irritation of the nerves in the back can affect muscles in the hip. That's so interesting. Uh, and these things kind of tend to go together. So Down the chain, isn't it? Exactly. So we've <laughs> talked in many episodes before, if this is your first ever episode, you oh, need to welcome. dig into our library yeah. and you need to learn about what we did uh, with kind of learning how different things can affect you down the chain. Absolutely. So just another reason why we should remind people that they have direct access You're to Oxford Physical on Therapy. Again, early. And if you start to feel sore in your lower back, get it addressed because right. this study will show as you age, if you continue through life with lower back pain, it puts you at a higher likelihood for this lateral uh, hip issue that we call greater trochanteric pain syndrome. Or something worse, right? Yeah. So we always throw a question to our students out there. So the question this week would be, what clinical prediction uh, cluster of tests would you use to diagnose or detect this greater trochanteric pain syndrome? Oh, my gosh. Just yeah. the longest question. So if you are so new here <laughs> listening, um, I know last clinical corner article we did we did not ask a question so this might be a student's first time listening we're going right. to ask you a question we're going to go quiz. over <laughs> you're probably <laughs> used to that by now we're going to go over the article together and then by the end we'll kind of give away the answer but you can possibly come to the conclusion before we get there so that's right just stay tuned and listen and see if you get it right yeah so one of the things they wanted to do in this article was to look at the quality of the physical exam and what components of the physical exam might be good predictors of this issue because according to you know what this study says here is imaging modalities particularly like MRI and ultrasound are validated for diagnosis of gluteal pathology but 
the those tests and techniques are time consuming and expensive. And sometimes the abnormalities on the MRI don't always predict if that issue is symptomatic or not. So you could look at an MRI and someone could have uh, some deterioration in their tendon, but without a good physical exam, maybe that doesn't tell if that's their issue or not. So it's just another issue that might be there. That's it's right. Not <laughs> that's right. So we wanted to kind of look at what physical exam criteria is most specific for identifying and kind of diagnosing this issue. Okay. Yeah. So we're always, again, trying to make our exam as pinpointed, specific as possible. And so Hopefully we can look at the different tests out there and figure out the ones that are going to be most impactful for diagnosing this problem. So, so we can do it without the x-rays, basically, what that's you're right. saying. Okay. Yeah, so that's one reason why, you know, a lot of times patients will say, well, don't I need an x-ray or an yeah. MRI for you to know what's going on? Well, a lot of these tests can be proven to be just as specific um, as, as MRI. And in this case, you know, if you can correlate it to symptoms and function, uh, the MRI may not change the treatment uh, a whole lot. so And you're just spending more money. Yeah, exactly. So getting right to the source of treatment through a good physical exam can, uh, you know, sometimes be just as good a pathway. Uh, so, w again, we'll make this article available for you, and you can kind of see the characteristics of the included study in this article where they did the literature review and the different studies that they did. Uh, I won't go in-depth on, on all of them, but... Basically, they were looking at different clinical tests and criteria and the MRI criteria as well and comparing when they had positive MRIs and positive tests in terms of trying to correlate the two. Um, How many years does it go over? Um, this, I think they go back all the way back to 2008. Nice. Um, there's studies as old as 2008 uh, and as new as 19. So. Cool. Uh, actually, I just saw one 2001 on there, so I lied. So Whoa. back to 01 to 019, they spread a pretty decent range there. Um, so when we looked at the different tests, again, a you know, long list of, of tests. I won't go into all of them, but some that you might kind of typically you know think about. Uh, Trendelenburg sign, single leg balance, resisted hip external rotation, Faber, fader, um, gluteal tendon palpation, uh, you know, so they kind of were looking at these different tests, and if they had positive or negatives, they wanted to try to cluster. So this is what they'll do sometimes in studies is they'll go back and look, and they'll say, okay, well, if this test was positive and this test was positive and the MRI was positive, is that predictive? If we put these couple of tests together, rather than having all of our eggs in one basket and just one test. A plus B equals C. That's right. Okay. So, um, were they graded on a like A to F system? They didn't grade these. Okay. Uh, they just looked I know at that the last yeah. They just looked at the test. Um, they had data uh, of basically fifteen different tests to diagnose this gluteal tendon um, pain syndrome, and they had uh, six different studies. And so they did meta analysis, uh, and they came up with this clinical prediction rule and. The two that were most uh, impactful or most predictive um, was a positive gluteal tendon palpation. So pain on palpation of the lateral gluteal tendon, when you combine that with re a positive resisted hip, hip abduction test, uh, which is basically just testing hip abduction strength, but not necessarily for weakness, 
uh, but for pain. So if you have pain with resisted hip abduction and pain with gluteal tendon palpation, that two-test cluster can significantly increase the post-test probability of the diagnosis. So just because it hurts doesn't mean you're weak. You can be strong, but it hurts. That's true. Okay. Yeah, you could. So, um, and, a, and again, <laughs> if you're just weak does not mean that you're injured. <laughs> that's right. You can be weak and not <laughs> injured. Um, but the pain on the resisted hip abduction was significant. So, what's the difference between abduction and a palpation? So, palpation is just a word for touching or pushing on. Oh, it. yeah. Um, Abduction is the movement. So okay. it's the movement of taking your hip away from your body. Okay. So like when you swing it outwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Which is I what thought, makes I, I sense. I think I knew what abduction was, but I did not know what palpation was. Yeah. No problem. So that's what it's going to be that motion that's going to stress the tendons that attach in the lateral hip or the greater trochanteric area. So that's why it makes clinical sense that yeah. pain with that would you know indicate issue or problem in that area. I should probably also mention that for anybody new listening that I am not entirely medical. I'm learning as well as maybe you are. So that's why I ask the fun questions. That's right. Make you feel smarter, listener. Allie's the color on the podcast. There you go. I'll be a color in everyone's life. That's right. Um, So none of the other tests included in the meta-analysis could significantly shift the post-test probability toward or away from the uh, gluteal tendon pain syndrome diagnosis. So that's interesting. You know, when you look at the test, Trendelenburg, single leg, 30-second stance, resisted external derotation and Faber, you would think, like clinically, I would think going into this that we would be looking at a cluster of maybe three or four tests together. Um, you know, again, maybe an area for further study, look into more. Not to say that you wouldn't still do those tests as part of your evaluation. You might be solving other clinical questions or going through other differential diagnosis. Um, but if you get these two positive tests on your exam, you know, you and you can correlate it with other things in your exam, you know, you ought to have some bells and whistles going off, uh, alerting you to that greater trochanteric pain syndrome. So for our student listeners out there. Oh, okay. Now tune back in, guys. That would be, that would be your answer to, you know, your clinical prediction test cluster is that two test item of tenderness to gluteal tendon palpation and uh, the positive hip abduction uh, pain. Okay. Yeah. It's pain two ways. That's right. So um, I think there's a lot of patients out there. Um, you know, I've, I've talked with other docs and well, we've interviewed other people on the podcast even about this exact issue. And uh, they've correlated this uh, group of hip muscles and this issue in the hip to be similar to the rotator cuff in the shoulder. What? And so I think there's a lot of people that suffer from this problem um, and just assume that it has to be that way, you know. <laughs> this and, is just the way I was made. Uh, yeah, so don't, you know, don't think that, you know, you have to have pain on the outside of the hip there. I think there's a lot of good treatment available, including some manual therapy, exercise, dry needling in the area. Uh, oftentimes we use short-term bracing, um, in, in this issue to kind of just support the area a little bit. Ultimately, there are surgical interventions that can be done. I think kind of the indication they look at is 50% or more of the tendon being torn. Uh, they would look at potentially surgically repairing it. Obviously, lots of other factors to consider there. But um, it's an issue that, you know, does create a lot of pain and disability in folks when you start 
talking about the aging process and one of the big indicators of health is your walking ability. So your ability to walk, not only distance, but speed, uh, indicate you being healthier and having a not only healthier life, but a longer life. So if you're starting to get hip pain, it's slowing you down. That could have a direct correlation on your mobility and balance and safety as you age. Wow. So some people just like to take their time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a different different uh, bird Slow altogether. But wins the race, right? Uh, if you got parents or grandparents out there, or you yourself are experiencing this pain on the outside of the hip, or you've heard them mention it, um, you know, physical therapy is a great treatment for it. This mm-hmm. article shows we got a great ability to detect the issue with a clear uh, picture of what's going on and do some treatment. Yeah. Has there ever been an article that, you know, goes over some of the, you know, past testing or any of those things that said, yeah, this one doesn't do anything. Let's just throw it out. Let's scrap this one. Oh, yeah. There's articles where they, they, I mean, you know, the tests still exist, but maybe people don't use it anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, they, you know, learn. That's, again, one of the best things about evidence-based practices you know, learning what to do, but also learning what not to do. I would love to, a list of what those are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can come up with. Maybe awesome. we got our next uh, episode in February. Then. What we no longer do in therapy. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my goodness. That'd be a long episode. Oh, gosh. So, well, thanks, everybody, for tuning yeah. in. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!